Hi, welcome to Mimi. I'm Mel. I created Mimi as a safe space for creativity, a place for creatives to come together, get inspired, and find help through accessible coaching, free resources, and fun workshops and masterclasses on everything from branding, surface design, illustration, and more. The Mimi podcast is basically a really good excuse for me to chat with amazing people, from illustrators and designers to photographers, makers, and more. In today's episode, I chat with Daniel Durek from Danny's Mud Shop, a potter currently living in sunny LA. If you're into pottery and ceramics, you've probably seen Danny's work on social media. His hand-thrown creations are carved with pictures of cowboy boots, snakes, and other desert-inspired images. In our chat, we talked about Danny's journey from working in the wine and food industry to discovering pottery and going full-time with his mud shop. We talked about his creative process, why it's hard to scale, and how terrifying shipping his work can be. I asked him what the most rewarding parts of running his business are, and if it's hard for him to find a good balance between working hard and taking time off. I hope you enjoy your chat and find yourself wanting to move to LA and become a potter too. I know I did. Enjoy! Get straight into it. So you studied, I can't say the word, kinesiology. 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 Yes. It's based off of the word uh, like kinetics. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have a degree in that because like, well, actually in Canada, it's qualified as like a pre-medicine type of thing. You graduate with a, a degree in science and that was the most important thing. So yeah, I did that in college and like all my friends now are doctors. Um, but for myself... When I was 20, I remember ordering all those MCAT books, putting them in my cart. And there was also a class involved and it was like $2,500. I always suck at these type of tests, these standardized tests. I was always good with school, but these tests absolutely destroyed me. I couldn't, I could not figure them out. So when I was 19, I remember I sat my parents down and I was like, look, this isn't for me. I don't want to be a doctor and I want to do something else. And, and basically... I just brainstormed and I was like, what do I kind of invest my free time in that would be cool to do as a living? And at the time it was like, I love cooking and this and that. So I decided I wanted to be a chef. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't, we didn't have any family in restaurants. I had no background, like zero connection. I ended up getting a part-time job cooking in like really small shitty restaurants in Montreal when I lived there. I was working like every every few days or a few days a week there was a couple weeks where I worked like five days a week so it was like full time and this whole time I was always kind of interested in wine I was reading a lot about it looking up articles and just like reading and reading I ended up meeting a guy his name is Christopher Wickens he lives in Toronto he's still a very good friend of mine Um, and he was like yeah you should read this book and it was a Jancis Robinson wine encyclopedia of the world uh edition seven that's what launched me into this wine world which was intense and really knowledge-based and in many ways really pretentious it was expensive it was very indulgent very rewarding in different ways and it was the first time where I like really challenged myself academically and like fully dived into like a craft, which is cool. It really set me up for a lot of the things that I'm doing now. So then what happened? Because it is so interesting to think about 
how what you're doing now and what you're sharing online and all your work is so different and like what happened how did you go from there to being like I'm um so I started doing pottery very very casually four years and change ago um, in Toronto I found a studio a membership opened up so I took it it was really expensive for me at the time I wasn't it was almost $200 a month And I didn't have any previous pottery experience. Like I was, I just like wanted to do something different and cool and like something just different than wine and studying beverages. <laughs> so I did that. And it was this little studio in Toronto on the east side. It's not there anymore, but uh, Michelle is still teaching. And I think she has a new studio now. She's awesome. She runs a little company called Nima Ceramics in Toronto. I uh, did that. And I was just doing casually. I didn't take any classes. I just joined this membership and I just did it. And I just figured it out. I would like borrow people's glazes and I didn't know what I was doing. But I got it pretty quick. Like I started making bowls. I remember the first time I made a vase. It was a really small vase. And then they started getting bigger and bigger and better. I never really dove in with like all the experimental glazes or anything. I didn't really care. I was like so obsessed with making the right vessel. I was really obsessed Half a year in, I was like so enthralled with perfecting or not even perfecting, just like achieving like a really skinny neck vase. I was really obsessed with it. So that's all I made for like <laughs> a year. These like thin neck vases. Anyways, so I moved to the States, back home to LA. COVID was pretty hot. And a lot of the pottery studios were closed because like, you know, they're like public, they're like membership based and no one can do that. So I didn't do pottery for a minute. But I ended up finding a studio in L.A. off of like Melrose. And this lady was actually really nice, but she was like anti-COVID, like anti-vax. So she opened up her studio and I was like, all right, whatever. This is going to take me out. This is going to take me out. Um, so I went to the studio and it was like, this was like March 2021. L.A. was like on full lockdown. And I was like just in the studio hanging out, no mask. Just like making vases. I like did a lot of pottery around that time. It was 2020 where I barely did any pottery. And then 2020 when I started up again. So I was like kind of practicing and just like throwing vases for fun. And I ended up getting a job in a hotel in downtown LA. I ran their beverage program for more or less the whole hotel. But it was kind of focused on the restaurant on the top floor. And I was excited and then I did it and I hated it. It was soulless and like the restaurant, quite frankly, wasn't really my style and um, I wasn't passionate about it. This whole time I was making pottery and I ended up signing a lease in Echo Park where I am now uh, with my garage studio. And back then it wasn't a garage studio. It was just an empty garage that I at the time wanted to learn how to work on motorcycles in. And I was also using it as a storage for my pieces. So one day in like the midst of like not being really stoked on the work, my job at that hotel, it was December of 2022. I got COVID and I was forced to stay at home for two weeks while being on salary. It was actually sick. I ended up renting a pottery studio from my friends at this membership studio I was based out of. So it was the first time where I had access to a wheel in my house. I put it in the garage. It was like really DIY. And I threw so many things. I made some of the biggest pieces that I've ever made. Some of the first pieces that I sold um, on my website was made uh, during that those two weeks. 
and and then basically one day after all that I ended up looking in my garage and there was like 30 vases there that I was making like over a full year just for fun because I was giving most of them away to my friends so whoever has these Danny D originals keep them um for free uh but I saw these vases and I basically was like I'm gonna try selling these so and like at the time I didn't have a Instagram following. I didn't have really like any outside support aside from my close friends that were like, oh, this guy does pottery. Cool. Like that was pretty much it. <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't sell anything prior to that. And I sold it. I put it on my website. All the posts are actually still there. Or not my website, excuse me, just on Instagram. It was just through like messaging on Instagram. And the four posts that were around that are actually still up. And they weren't that long ago. They were like a year and two months ago. I sold 25 vases that day. I netted like three grand. I somehow ended up spending $1,000 on shipping because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And all my friends were obviously Canadian. So like the shipping cost to Canada was brutal. I shipped to New York for like $70 through USPS. That's so dumb. Now I shipped to New York, same piece for $12. <laughs> so I really dialed it in. But I saw like that, okay, people are interested. They were probably like, four sales four or five sales that were completely random friend of a friend of a friend i literally handpicked my close friends i was like hey guys like can you promote for me <laughs> can you reshare my post and a lot of them did and that, those are the real ones i basically asked a couple friends that week like what i should do they knew i was unhappy in my job and they're like you don't have much to lose pretty much and i quit my job like that friday even two weeks i uh gave them two weeks I, I finished up i shipped all those packages i basically started strategizing like how this is going to work i had a long phone call with my mom <laughs> and she was like fuck i was kind of like fuck and i went to mexico city because i was it was just like on my my schedule at the time i was going on vacation anyways i went there i just like decompressed for like 15 days or 12 days i hired one of my friends her name's bianca and i actually met her at momofuku for my first job in toronto and she designed my logo. She made my website. She helped me with my stickers and my payment platform and all these things. It's so funny that she was one of the first people I met in Toronto. So crazy. And she she's like still a huge help for me because I'm like very technologically stupid. And I got really lucky in the beginning. One of my good friends, her name's Jackie, and she linked me with a guy named Kyle who owns this company in Toronto. And they picked me up as a, a wholesale client. They have a store in Toronto. So March 2022, before I even had a logo, I somehow was <laughs> sending invoices for wholesale. I remember the first email I sent to Kyle, I was like, this is what I need to sell them for. And he was like, dude, this isn't how it works. You need to have a wholesale price <laughs> so we can make money on it. And I was like, fuck. So my $42 cup suddenly turned into $21. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, this is going to be a lot of work. That was how like unknowing I was to this whole thing. I didn't have a line sheet. I didn't have any of this. I didn't even have concept of design or like I didn't conceptually have product. I didn't throw a cup till literally March, 2022, like three years into my pottery career. I didn't throw one cup. And I, I looked at like my business and like 
how I was realistically going to make this work. And I was like, I can't just think that I could sell vases all the time. I'm not going to hit my sales goal month over month by selling two to $300 vases. I maybe I'll get lucky a few, the first few months, but like no one's rebuying vases. That's like really too expensive. So I was like, how am I going to keep my lights on? And that was through like cups and stuff. So now I have my main cups, my tumblers. I'm sure you saw them. I sell endless amounts of copitas, which are like basically mini bowls. People drink liquor out of them <laughs> or, pe or like tons of girls put jewelry in them or guys, whatever. And I have a, a restaurant that Chris Wickens runs now. They put salt in every little cup they have from me every time in a person orders wagyu ribeyes at their restaurant which is really funny i hope they still do that i thought that was really hilarious but yeah you know like i i uh i really love making vases but i realized pretty quickly that if i want to hit my month over month sales and have and create actually create something consistent and reliable i need to get some low lower price point items. Um, so I started like furiously conceptualizing like what that looked like. And quickly it became just like a bunch of cups. I tried bowls, but they were way too intensive. And honestly, half of them broke in the mail, which is brutal. Yeah, I feel like your process, which we're going to talk about, is so special and it seems to take a lot of time. And there's a point where you're not going to be able to do everything on your own if you keep no. growing. No, I can't. I can't even do it now. Honestly, like I, I just kind of say yes to everything and see what happens. And something eventually gives. I hire some people on contract. They help me. One girl helps me throw. Another guy helps me paint some of the simple stuff. So I'm not alone in it all the time but my best work is when I do it all myself start to finish because then I know I'm comfortable with everything but wholesale is hard but wholesale is a a really important part of my business I think because it diversifies me out of my the main platform that I sell on which is pretty much Instagram and offers diversification in that I don't have to rely on Instagram fully anymore I still rely on it a lot, but it just helps a little bit. And, you know, when I first started, I was saying yes to everything. I was like, oh, like some little store here or that. I was like, yeah, I'll sell to you. A lot of them didn't hit my minimums. I set my minimums so arbitrarily, but I was just so worried about hitting sales every month and like gathering clients that I was just like, yes, yes, yes. What I realized at the end of the year when I realized that I just spent two months throwing 400 pieces for all my wholesale clients that were reordering, I was like, some of these people like don't even care or have good social media presence to like promote my product. And what I really learned is that you don't need that many wholesale clients <laughs> unless like you're really running like a huge operation because you can't have so many wholesale clients. It's, it's kind of at the end of the day, just me in my hands. But you need like just a few really key ones that support what you do and believe in your work. I got one in Austin, Texas. It's a really small shop called All the Fields, but uh, and and the owners are so nice. They pay on time and and everything, and like they promote and they're like forgiving, honestly, and they're flexible. I mean, that little shop has become like a key wholesaler for me in Austin. They've reordered three times. The Wanderly in Toronto is this tiny little vintage kind of westerny curated store run by these two sisters. Tiny store. 
and they've reordered five times. For me, that's a lot. Like that's significant revenue if you really start thinking about just like consistency and and they support, they're easy, they pay. Those are key wholesale clients for me. But these crazy stores that are so busy with all their different product and keeping up with social media and stuff, I feel like sometimes my work gets lost or like the smaller guys get lost. So I'm still juggling it out. Let's talk about your process, actually. I really want to talk about it and talk about what you're creating. So from sketch to final product, what's your full process to create a piece? Yeah, so I wheel throw everything. That's important for people to know. I don't hand build shit. I don't know how to. It's too much sponging all the time. All my hand builder friends are just sitting there sponging all day and I find it hilarious. But no, I, I wheel throw everything on a pottery wheel. I only use two different clays. I make it very simple for myself. I use B-mix and red B-mix. I can't afford to mess around. It's very simple. It's very reliable clay. It's clean. It's not too sandy. It shows up nicely with clear glaze, shows up nicely with underglaze and clear glaze. It doesn't crack. It doesn't dry too fast type of thing, you know? I trim each piece, of course, put my stamp on it, which is like my ring, a little cowboy ring, which is fun. I throw cups, vases. I make some planters. And then I throw off the hump a lot, which is like the core of my business. And for anyone that doesn't know what hump throwing is, it's like you basically take a massive mound of clay. I take anywhere from eight to 15 pounds, and then you just center that and then throw mini cups off of the piece and then slice it off and keep going. And you don't have to keep resetting. The only thing you have to do is recenter the mound or the hump. And it took me a long time to figure out how to do it well. And I'm still figuring it out. I have a pretty good handle on the whole thing. So I trim everything. I trim the hump pieces on the hump. I trim my tumblers actually on a hump as well. The hump is really key to my business. And, and any production potter in my capacity will know that. And anyone at show with a technique too, or they're like, what the fuck? Like, that's so good. And then vases are maybe like 20 to 30% of my business. I focus mainly on like pieces under eight inches because they're easier to ship. They're easier to throw. And then anything really big, it's like the carving is too intensive. There's too much canvas. And then what do I have to charge? I got to charge like $600 for that. And I don't really want to do that because I like the accessibility of my products for people. But yeah, like something that takes a long time needs to be expensive. Otherwise, the value of my product that goes down. It's like this simple. So I throw it, let it dry. I trim it. I let it dry. And then my canvas is ready. <laughs> like it's crazy. Like it takes me three days to create a canvas for my work, which is primarily the vase or the cup. So inefficient. <laughs> like the way I produce work is so inefficient, but I think it creates really nice artwork and functional pieces and stuff like that. Um, so basically I take the piece I wrap it and monitor it's drying. I take it to just past leather hard because leather hard is actually still too wet for me to like dig a carving pottery tool in. It's a pretty small window and it really depends on like just the nature of your studio. If it's too humid or really dry and hot, you got to really kind of dictate your carving time around that. Um, so I basically carve illustrations in the clay. A lot of people think it's graffito, but it's not that. It's like truly taking a, a knife and then digging out outlines that are like kind of jutting out and indents and I don't even know what the word is outdents the opposite of an indent <laughs> and and what it creates and what I've learned is you achieve like a very sort of textural carved illustration that's kind of the basis of my work that's why people like it even after all the glazing process you can feel it there's a real sense of like 
a texture to it and this tangible quality that a lot of pieces don't have, like a lot of underglazed pieces don't have. And I wish I had a storefront for people just to come in to feel everything. It's not so obvious over the internet and my website, but it's it's a very important part of my work. It's a really weird little thing I dove in and like kind of really specialized in. I think it's rewarding. It's just hard. So that's why like maybe wholesale isn't the easiest thing for me to do. But I think that's why people are comfortable spending the money that they spend on my pieces. Because they know that these extra steps have been taken to achieve this product. Also, like the carving's so cool. You can really carve anything on there, almost anything. The really small details get lost. And I tell a lot of my students that do classes with me that, but um, the big bubbly stuff and um, angular stuff can be achieved nicely. So that's why like flash tattoo art is so great on there old traditional style flash tattoo art. That's why like, well, I don't know, the Western Americana stuff's pretty tough. Honestly. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this, about the fact that you've got this style of cowboys and snakes and deserty things. And where does that come from? Where did you, when did you start getting obsessed with it? I don't know where it came from. I, I'll be honest, like, I don't know. Like I moved to California. I must have just been weirdly just like seeing things and around people that like Western stuff. There's cactuses. I see them all the time. I didn't grow up watching Westerns. I didn't grow up on a ranch. I don't even know to ride a horse. I'm actually a little scared of horses. Why? I don't know. The speed at which they kick their back legs is freaky. Just don't be behind <laughs> them. It's fine. Yeah, well. And they're not always doing it. Just yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, yeah. I'm not really that scared, but. I love horse riding. It's my it's one of my favorite thing to do. You really? Should, should, oh my yeah. god! You no, should no, try no. it. Well, I'm you good. Are I'm good. Such I'm a good. cool place to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll try it. But I'm not <laughs> in a rush. Um, no, but like I don't know the the Western thing like didn't come to me because like I am some sort of Midwest kid. No, it's the people I surround myself with that gave me some inspiration and the place I live in. Like I don't know, motorcycle culture is is very linked to it too. I'm not a motorcycle guy, but like I love the culture. I think it's fun cool yeah just to get back to what i was saying like the western stuff is is difficult because like a lot of the colors are very like uh, there's a lot of shadows and stuff the painting particularly for western work is really difficult carving is good there's a lot of detail on western americana work but i've adapted like the cactus really nicely the cactus i can i can knock out really quick it's just like a long tube <laughs> and then little tubes on the side and then you give it some texture and it, and it comes out fun but yeah, the carving is great. It's given me a lot of things and I'm, and I'm constantly inspired by different things I see. And I'm always like, oh, is that going to work nicely on a cup or a vase? And it almost certainly does. I keep saying how it takes so long, but I've been getting a lot better at it too and faster. Is there something yeah. you've never thrown that you really want to try? I think a lamp would be cool. I always fantasize about a massive vase, like four feet tall. And just like my work peppered onto it, that brings up so many different implications of how to fire, how to ship, how to throw. I have uh, with that same restaurant, some work to do with like tea light candle holders. So I'll be doing that, which is pretty much just a little cup. I like planters. Planters are really cool. Uh, really big ones are, are hard to make and they require so much work in terms of like carving and stuff. So I'm always like playing around with the idea of that, but it always comes back down to like, what am I going to do with it? You know, these things are too big and then they take too much time. And it just like, it, you know, it's, it's, I always have to consider that. And like, how much would I charge? And it's like, ugh, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know. So what's been the most rewarding part of running your little mud shop? I think the people that I've met, for sure. The, definitely the, the freedom and the people that I've met have been the most rewarding thing. Financially, it's been very rewarding, to be honest. It's opened up a lot of doors into different things and like recently like different revenue streams and stuff like that which is cool and it helps my business um, I started teaching classes and this and that and some photo shoot opportunities and things of that nature the free time for sure like it lets me do what I want and dictate my day and it lets me like wake up in the morning and do my thing it lets me go camping when I want but then the people I meet are like insanity I mean just like around LA in my neighborhood like constantly surrounded by people that like know who I am and like my work and like people are like open about it because I think they know that I'm just like a real normal dude a lot of people are like hey like I've walked by your shop where you're working or like I know where you live which is weird well like you're like I've seen your cars parked there and it's like thanks and they're like I love your work I'm like oh my god this is so nice I mean I've somehow managed to be a real part of this photography community even though like I'm not a photographer I know shit all about cameras all of my good friends now are photographers or like some sort of director um that's just LA and it, right I don't know because well okay sure it's probably like no, there's but a it's lot amazing. of LA. I mean I'm jealous I wish I lived in LA it's amazing there's well, such a creative community I think maybe in the area of town I live in but it's also like I think we're very similar people we're artists and, and like a lot of them want to come by and shoot my studio and shoot me in my studio which is really nice and that's been awesome like Instagram as much as I hate it sometimes it's been invaluable to my growth and the messages that I get on Instagram aside from the weird ones <laughs> are really what, nice what weird messages do you get no 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 not, not that weird you <laughs> No, I don't think I'm inappropriate, but um, I mean, I mean, the depth of people that I meet through it is incredible. And I think you know it too. Yeah. I have friends that are like amazing writers now and friends that, I don't know, like are in fashion and you can connect with like stores on there. I mean, brands for sure. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the people I've met. I've made a tremendous amount of friends this year. A lot of new friends that I'm learning a lot about, but it's like a lot of a lot of new uh, stimulus and then like relationships that I've built through this pottery thing. And a lot of them will be relationships that I've I will maintain for a long time, I can already tell. You know, you mentioned really loving the freedom and, and being able to go camping, which you love whenever you want. But also we talked earlier about your birthday and how you couldn't do it because you were working. Do you find yourself huh, yeah. struggling with boundaries almost, you know, that thing of when you run your own thing, it's really hard to stop sometimes. And do you have that as well? Like to rest? Yeah, I have it all yeah. the time. I have a really big problem with it. It's the hardest. It's one of the hardest things about what I'm doing now. And I think any small business owner that is experiencing growth or like some sort of demand for their product or just like wants to work really hard to make it work it, uh, is, is experiencing that and, and knows what I'm talking about. It's the hardest thing about my job is not working or like not thinking about it or being able to just like step away for a minute. I work every single day in some capacity. Typically, it's definitely like full on delivering things or packing orders or physically throwing or trimming or something. That being said, like I'm not confined to like a nine to five. I'll work like two hours in the morning and then like do my thing till like three and then I'll work another two hours. You know, many nights I'll just see my studio till like 1030 
because like I didn't make plans that night and that's totally fine. But yeah, it's really difficult, especially for my craft when I'm in charge of all production and all fulfillment and all marketing. I don't have a team in China that makes my products. Like I'm making it by hand. So if I'm not working, nothing's being made. So that's why like every time a company wants to shoot or something, I always have to quote in consideration of my time now in the studio as well in terms of like pricing and stuff like that. But yeah, it's really difficult. Like I struggle with it. I get anxiety from it for sure. Um, I'm getting a little better, I think. I haven't really worked that hard this April. <laughs> I'm like, that's not true. I've definitely like chilled, especially the, the later part of April. I've, I've taken it easy and I am taking all of May off. I'm going on a big vacation to like Japan and India and China for most of May. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. And am I going to think about my work? Probably. Am I going to like think about, oh, maybe I should edit and throw a, a reel on Instagram out? Probably. Um, but it's inspiration, isn't it? I feel like I always struggle with this. It's the same for any creative industry. It's like we work really hard and then instead of resting, we stress about the fact that we're not working, but we should really just take that time off and, you know, your travels to get inspired. Like, you're going to get so much inspiration. You're going to come back so inspired through loads of different things. And Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Like, there's there's tons of value taking time off like that in that capacity. But you're already stressed yeah. about it. I no, <laughs> no, well, like, I don't know. Like, this is the hardest part of the job because also when your stuff's in demand, you're making money. And when you're making money, you don't want to stop making money. You know, and like, I think a lot of artists don't want to hear that or hear this. Like at the end of the day, this business. And like, if you're not generating and hitting your monthly sales targets and covering your expenses, you got to get a job. This has to work. Taking a month off is hard. It's stressful and it's not the most responsible thing to do. But I think the contract that I had with myself when I first quit my job to do this, this is an important part of the contract that needs to be fulfilled. This month where I need to like just stop and focus on just being happy with what I've accomplished and not worrying about so-and-so wants to pick up their order tomorrow. Yeah, it's really important to me that I'm able and comfortable to do something like this. I'm not going to say it's not stressful, but it's really important. I've worked tremendously hard and I've kind of set up my next month to be fine because I've worked so hard the previous few months to like make it okay that I can leave. I hope that wasn't too intense. No, I think it's so true in what you're saying. We still need to like, and I, I mean, and the thing is, it's just you at the moment as well, but you mentioned kids. Like, I know I've got that now. I've got a daughter and it, and it's and I'm the main provider of my family. And it's the same, like when you're a freelancer, you need to rest, but also you need to pay the bills. And it's like, yeah, oh, this is so stressful. But like you said, it's totally. part of it. And LA is so expensive, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a give and take. It's such an opportunity cost where it's like you pay to be in LA, but LA shoves shit at you. Like some aspects of business, but opportunities and exposure to you if you're doing it right and you're surrounding yourself with the right people, it's like endless. And I think a lot of people don't understand that about LA. If I was like some cute potter in some random ass town in California, my interaction and my the success that I've experienced, the little bit of success that I've experienced wouldn't be the same if I wasn't in Echo Park, you know? Do you think um, the location, your location has had a lot to do with it as well? You think that's yeah, important I, for people to think, I think about? I think so. I think being part of a community is really important. Um, I've been up my studio to a lot of people. Yeah, I, th I think it's really important. And it and it scares me the day that I'm like, fuck this place. Like, I want to move to Marfa, Texas and buy a ranch and do pottery out of that. Because no one's coming to the studio then, trust me. But that will happen one day. You could go to Austin. Where, I feel people like we're good. Where I, yeah, where I go to... 
or go to Austin or something or like somewhere in Arizona I don't I don't I don't know but like and just like buy like a five acre ranch with like a barn on it that's like then you would have to horse ride you can't yeah sure that's fine okay I'll I'll make that commitment (laughs) to you but yeah it's 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 hard and um yeah it, it, it being freelance is difficult especially when like there's not that much money into it to be honest like pottery i've done okay but like i mean i i know freelancers that like bill a lot more than what i bill what you're saying as well that's really good that you're doing is you're diversifying so you're teaching as well workshops now right yeah i mean it was just like a really random opportunity that my friends at this company in silver lake offered me and and it really made sense and we've done two so far i did one with another company so i've done three workshops in the past 60 days let's say I've taught 60 plus people, which for me is a lot. And yeah, it's been great. Like, you know, I, I made I made a little bit of money. Everyone got their cup. They learned a bit. They had fun. It wasn't that expensive. It was no more than what I sell a cup for on my website. So I thought that was really fair. And yeah, it was a great way to interact with the community. Those were great. I do, um, of course, my website sales. I, I open up my studio here and there. I've been doing a couple of markets in March. Of course, the wholesale. I let people come to the, the studio and like that's pretty much it. There's nothing more I could really do. I started a newsletter the other month. Newsletters are so like, hard to like keep up with. The, yeah, first time I did it, I made a lot of sales because it basically shot out to all the people that supported me over the year. And it's like, hey guys, here's my first newsletter. I had their email and everything. The first time I sent my newsletter, I had 800 people on my mailing list, which was pretty good. That was just like the people that bought pottery for me that year. So that was cool, you know? And the other month I had um, this brand called Huckberry feature me on their page and that was really sweet and you got um, cool year right cool year magazine as well which is really cool. uh yeah that was just a few days ago actually yeah, yeah totally. i actually have That's another i said you were blowing up and i'm like i have another feature with yeah no what are you talking about i'm kidding no, <laughs> I, I have another i have another courier feature coming out like next publication or something where it's just me i think Ooh. um which is kind of neat yeah i never heard of courier until they reached out to me randomly Maybe they're more but, uh, European. I, they very much, they very much are. Yeah, yeah they're really cool. Um, but the big one was when Mr. Porter did an editorial on me. That was like very cool for me. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's quite fashiony, I guess. So so fashiony. Yeah. yeah, but that's great. I think if you can use, you know, all of you and what you do to, you know, just make yourself yeah. more known, is do it. It's amazing. Well, I think people like to connect with the maker as much as they like the piece itself, you know? For sure. And I think that was making me think about what we're talking about, growing and you said sometimes having people helping you. And But I think at the end of the day, what's tricky as well is that people want pieces made by you. And if you grow to a point where you're not making them anymore, then it might not be as like, does it make sense? Like they care yes, about I, you I know, making them. I know exact this exact sentiment and... Honestly, I I think I will always make the vase, but there is there is a, a high probability down the line that I need to start not outsourcing, but facilitating the making of the cup and stuff like this. And I have been, honestly, already. And like no one cares. Yeah, like, you're right. I mean, I'm not gonna open I'm not gonna openly be like, yo, like <laughs> I didn't make this. <laughs> But, no, you're still but, creating it. You're still saying, you know, you still are directing it and saying what you want, right? So Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I think you're right. 
but I, there'll never be an instance where like I'm not making any of the product that's ridiculous like yeah I, I like I like what I do I want to I want to make it but yeah like uh, that's a, that's a struggle with a company when your name's on it <laughs> I personally would really struggle to um let go and try to teach people what works it's so funny it's making me think about this podcast and I'm the one editing it and my partner was saying you should get someone else to do it because it's so time consuming and you've got other things to do where you get paid and I was like yeah but I'd need someone that understands exactly what my vision is for these conversations that I have to edit so it's I don't know I find it really hard outsourcing things I have been too I trust me I still I still as much as I want someone to ship everything for me I, I still have to do it and like I just I just bite that that's the one thing I bite the bullet on because I can't I won't be I wouldn't be able to stand if something broke without me breaking it yeah makes sense it takes it takes too long for what I do to to have that yeah okay my last question for you is about your wild dreams and goals for the coming month so I know you're so you're going away in May but do you already have in mind how you want your merch shop to grow or I don't know some kind of wild ideas of how it's going to grow no. in a way yeah well I mean as much as my followers would hate to hear it I need to get out of my garage <laughs> I need to expand and get something a little more serious just last week, I installed my first kiln. I own a kiln now. It took me a year and a half to figure that out, to know that, oh, it's probably important that you are in control of your production. So I am now almost in control of my production, but the kiln is off-site, so it's just annoying. There's there's logistics involved in transporting things and time. So the first thing for sure for me is just like getting a really solid space that still has character. Um, I'm not actively looking, but... It will have to happen at a certain point. I don't know, like really far down the line, I'd love to have my own studio, a studio where there's like members and uh, maybe there's a coffee shop attached and then there's a retail space for me and then my studio and then there's like a membership studio with 10 members. That would be kind of neat, 20 members. I think immediately I, I definitely have some business goals I need to achieve, product goals. Like I'm currently working on this restaurant project for this restaurant that's opening up I was mentioning in Washington, D.C., and, like, I'm installing a wall, basically, of my work. It's 30 vases. It's the biggest invoice I've ever sent in my life, and it's the most amount of work I'll probably do, maybe not in my life, but in the most recent part of it. So that's cool. I want to nail that. You know, I quoted Healthy, and they were, like, gung-ho about it, and everyone's so nice and supportive, and it's a good restaurant with good backers and, like, good design, and so I want to nail that. That's a big goal for me. I just ordered more merchandise for my website. So I'm selling like tote bags and stuff and more shirts. I never thought in my life I'd sell shirts, but I've sold hundreds of shirts and I have people randomly wearing my shirts and my face on it, um, my brand, which is so nice to like see, but like kind of cringe as well. <laughs> um, I want to take more time off in the summer. I want to enjoy the summer. I want to go camping and stuff. And I want to work really hard for a few weeks and then fuck off for a week and then work really hard for a few weeks. What else? I mean, that sounds that's, really good. Yeah, day. that's, I want to, yeah. and honestly, I want to sleep better. That's pretty much it. After that, I'm happy. 
but um everything's really good i'm very fortunate to do what i do and I'm, I'm really happy to like do my first podcast with you and like be here and like feel like my story is interesting because i never it thought is. my story was that in- i never thought my story was that interesting until everyone started asking me about it and companies started writing me about it it's flattering it's cool i've, I've definitely ha- had a few lives that's for sure and it's i think every full circle isn't it i love that it is i was about to say right like, now yeah every everything that i've i've worked on and, and experienced and failed on is kind of all culminating into this pottery thing for now i don't know if i'll be a potter in 10 years i hope i will but last year and this year everything that i've accumulated through those experiences have have given me like guidance and all all those things to kind of just land me to where i am now that's amazing thanks so much dan Bye. Bye. bye bye Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you want to know more about Mimi, then head out to mimiforcreatives.com and make sure to check the show notes for more details about our guest. I'll see you soon.